going to say who you are? Yes, I am. I'm going to say who I am, but I think we know who this man is. And the, the reason why we're here is for the uh, very recent publication of this little red book, which we'll talk of more anon. I'd like to welcome you all to this National Theatre platform. We have about half an hour conversation, um, and I think it's probably fair to say that this actor is part of a, a great amount of interest uh, this evening, so we'll get cracking straight away. Kenneth Tynan said it was uh, beyond him to imagine anybody talking about the theatre sensibly for more than five minutes. We've got about 20, 25 minutes to talk <laughs> uh, sensibly. Uh, I want to ask you about your relationship, firstly, with critics and reviews. and things. Do, do they worry you? Has that, has that sort of driven you into a, a state of despair or, no. or joy? Well, uh, I've been very fortunate in, I've had, in that I've had wonderful reviews. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's going to be like this, I think. <laughs> no, the, the only thing uh, about uh, uh, reviewers uh, are two things. One is that uh, the actors who say they never read their reviews and uh, I don't believe them. And two is that I do re read my reviews, and one changed my life. Um, I was at a time when I was playing supporting parts and getting very frustrated. I was uh, over 40, I think. And um, John Peter in the Sunday Times uh, said some things about my acting, not in the play, he did talk about that, but about what I was capable of. And it was at a time when I was thinking of actually giving up acting. I got so frustrated with playing supporting parts when I felt I should be a leading man. <laughs> yes, that voice, when we were having a, a cup of tea upstairs, um, there were people having sort of beans on toast and, and drinks of lemonade. And then this voice and, and vocal training, your training was at RADA for, for two years. Yes. And, uh, yeah, um, what was your experience of drama school like? Some people find it like a sort of military service, something to sort of be got through, and other people find it transforms them into, into something quite special. Well, th there's one of two things. One is, um, from the background that I, I came from in Nottingham, uh, I thought that, you know, the street I lived in and everything, it was like Coronation Street, and I thought everywhere was like that. So when I went to RADA, I realised that there were people uh, there who would arrive in chauffeur-driven Rolls Royces <laughs> uh, to RADA. That's true, they did. And there was another world, so that was uh, one thing. Uh, also, I wasn't happy at school. I felt uh, unhappy. And when I went to RADA, I found that there were people who were like, felt like mm. me, who mm. would also be unhappy. And, and so you know, we, we all felt together. And that was great. And also, there were very, very beautiful women there. <laughs> you, s you say you were unhappy, but you were a grammar school kid, weren't you? You, I, you were a bright kid. Uh, uh, yeah, I managed to get to grammar school, yes. You managed to get to grammar yes. school. And you say, you talk of uh, chauffeur-driven arrivals at RADA. Your father was a chauffeur, wasn't he? He was, yes. yes. So, so at one time. Yeah. At one time. And, and so where on earth did theatre come to in, in your life? Well, my father... Uh, and my grandfather were both wonderful storytellers. Um, I mean, you know, I don't mean joke tellers. I mean, they would always see um, amusing things in life. And one of my first influences that I am aw aware of, when we, uh, we used to go and stay with my uh, 
grandparents who lived in a tiny little row of cottages uh, in Huntingdon. It was, it was wartime, and my grandfather, um, I was probably six or seven, it was during the war, uh, would come in from his allotment and go upstairs with, you know, with a candle. Um, you know, it's all very old and broad. <laughs> and, um, I'm going to start crying. And, and he'd come down, <laughs> and he would have shaved and put on a suit and everything, and, and then he'd go into the little front room, and then we were invited in after a while, the family, and then he would tell us the six o'clock news. <laughs> now, he didn't have a radio. He didn't have a radio, but I discovered later that he was using a glass and listening <laughs> through the wall to next door's radio. But he told it very well. And I think I was influenced by that. Uh, another great influence, uh, credited uh, in the opening pages of this uh, wonderful little book, is Peter Hall. Uh, you actually dedicate the book to Peter I Hall, do, yes. uh, a, a director uh, very associated clearly with this uh, building, but very associated with your life as an actor. Yes. In, in what way did you feel, I, I mean, I can imagine, but in what way did you feel compelled to actually cite this moment in this book? Well, Peter, Sir Peter has been an, an enormous influence uh, on my life. Um, one of the things I do talk about in, in, my, in my book is that uh, certainly at my time, uh, if you became famous uh, through television, uh, you didn't work much in the theatre. Uh, there was a tremendous snobbery, um, still an extent, I think. You're not taken seriously if you're very popular. You know, it's just, it works in, in painting as well. I mean, there's all been this fuss about Lowry, you know, very popular, but, you know, hasn't been shown at the stage sometimes, I think. Uh, and um, I got very frustrated about this, and I, in fact, came up with a, an idea for a film uh, which was taken to Simon Gray, and he wrote this film, uh, and it was put on television uh, as a film, and Peter Hall saw it. And he went out on a Sunday night. I'd never worked for Peter Hall, never met him, and I bumped into him in Piccadilly Circus, and he said, I saw you last night. I thought, he paid me compliments, and he said, I would like to work with you. Would you like to work with me? And I said, yes, I would very much. So I, I started to work with him. Um, and he, um, he gave me one of the most important uh, pieces of advice that I've ever had about acting and the whole process of acting and everything. In the first play that I did with him, um, which was Separate Tables, um, he said to me, um, I thought I'd, by the way, I, I thought I'd never work for him uh, again because, um, <laughs> I'll just tell this, I didn't know about Peter Hall's reputation, that he had one, uh, of not going to see his productions when they were on tour. I mean, he would, you know, get it on and then it would go on tour and then he wouldn't come and see it until it came into the West End and then he would redirect it. And uh, so we were on this eight-week tour and after seven weeks he hadn't seen it and I rang him up at home uh, and I said, uh, I'm at Nottingham, are you coming to see? He said, no, 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 that's not the way I work, Peter. Um, you see, when you come up to London, there'll be, you know, five days of previews and I'll be redirecting it. And I said, but you haven't seen what I've done. He said, well, no, no, but it's the way I work. And I said, well, the way I work is 
unless you come and see what I've done, I won't come into London with it. And he came down to Nottingham to see it. And he said, I've never done this before. And I thought, well, I'll never work for him again. Mm. But I, in fact, I've done 12 mm. plays with him. Mm. But no, th this is the most important thing he said to me. On the first night of that play, and these words are always with me, he said, Peter, you've reached the stage now uh, in your understanding of the characters that you're playing that when you walk through the door when you walk through that door onto the stage into that life anything you do whatever you say or however you say it because I'm saying the playwright's words of course however you say it whatever you do will be right hmm. because you have the character and that was, it gave me enormous confidence. So standing in the wings now, I feel when I go on, I am the man. And uh, people, on the whole, believe it. Mm. <laughs> what is quite unbelievable, really, is the way in which celebrity has, uh, on occasion, and uh, you describe it as almost like marginalizing the possibility of you and celebrity in some way sort of incarcerating opportunity rather than enabling opportunity. And yet this is also an actor who's given us an Archie Rice. This is also an actor who can really throw all of that idea of celebrity and a sort of minimal skill set right out the window. In terms of the roles that you haven't played, though, I, I would really want to know, is there a Lear out in, in the room next door? Where's your Lear? Um, <laughs> well, my Lear was offered to me quite recently, and I turned it down uh, because I'd also been offered at the time uh, to do uh, um, play Crocker Harris <laughs> for Peter Hall uh, and also Swan Song, which I was very interested in uh, as I've tried to produce uh, that play many years ago. And um, I thought... I was 73, I thought, and um, I knew it was going to be a tour, and I thought I was probably too old um, to do it. So I turned it down. I turned it down. And there we are. So, so it's the tour that's the determining factor as opposed to the role itself? Yes, yes, of course. Yeah. It, it was the tour. That I felt the tour was going... I mean, if it had been at the Donmar or the Almeida, mm. uh, or the, you see... At the National here, I mean, I did a, I did a two-handed play uh, called The Bow uh, at, at the Haymarket Theatre with a wonderful actor, uh, Bill McCabe, Richard McCabe, tremendous actor. It was a two-handed play. And we hadn't been on very long. And he was exhausted, pouring with sweat. And he said, my God. <laughs> he said, I'm so exhausted. <laughs> and I said, but Bill, you're you know, you're 38 or something. <laughs> I said, I'm 69. What's the matter? And he said, because I've been at Stratford for 19 years. Mm. I have never played eight performances a week in a leading role ever mm. in my life. Mm. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, mm. uh, it's interesting, that, isn't it? Talking about, just reminds me, here we are in the Cottesloe, and this thing of, of, of uh, Peter Hall saying, 
you've got the you've got the character. Therefore, whatever you do or say, that's it. I always remember coming here to see, the, I think, the Wakefield mystery mm -hmm. that Mister played, and Brian Glover was playing God, <laughs> and he was God. He was God, and he 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 was on some sort of forklift truck thing that took him <laughs> right up into the heavens, and he was coming up and he, he was saying lines. I am God, I am him on high. And I was in the front row up there, and he said, I am God. Oh, hello, Peter, how are you? <laughs> but why shouldn't God say that? It's that voice again, isn't it, really? It's a little, uh, everybody stopped eating upstairs. They just sort of... Uh, you, in terms of the people that you've worked with, actors, directors, writers, it is an extraordinary roll call. And I, I was, um, in hunting around on YouTube the other evening, found the most bonkers film, Ken Russell film. Would you like to describe your time with Ken Russell, the incredible maverick that he was? Well, I, I, can't, um, I can't remember. It's a long time ago. I played the part of Paris Singer. I had a wonderful time. Uh, I loved Ken and his uh, then wife. Um, he directed with uh, passion. Uh, one of his legs was completely in plaster, so he's, he very often directed scenes lying down. <laughs> um, but uh, he was wonderful. <laughs> what, it, what it does remind me of, um, I uh, was talking to somebody uh, not all that long ago who'd been a producer on... Uh, is it Big Brother where the people are put into a house? And Ken Russell was one of the people, apparently. I never saw it. But he was complaining, because uh, he'd worked on it, and he'd left because he was so upset. He said, they, they try and keep a storyline. He said, you get people like Ken Russell, who talked a lot about film mm. and film directing and his work, and they cut it all out. Mm. They didn't want that. Mm. You know, and he said, what a shame. What a, you know. Mm. In terms of the, the role models, uh, from your own young years as an actor, I'm I'm presuming the roll call, you know, the Olivier's and the, the Gilgits were yeah. there. What, so, so we have Peter Hall here, who is a sort of major a part of your creative life. Late I, I, creative I, life, yes. yes. Who, who were those sort of early influences that really sort of triggered some sort of need, some necessity to act in you? Um, well. The necessity to act came uh, from my inner self. It's interesting that you should uh, say, who was it who influenced you or what made you want to act? And this is something I mention in this book. I think I do. Incidentally, this book is not about acting or how to act or, or stories about me at all uh, because I wrote an autobiography. This, this is about the job of acting. You know, it's quite amusing, I hope. But uh, it's, it's about that. But um, I have been shocked uh, to discover, uh, I suppose it's just getting older, but uh, young actors, many young actors, some of them important young actors, uh, in conversation with me, I've discovered that they've never heard, never mm -hmm. heard of people like Spencer Tracy. Uh, they've never heard of uh, James Cagney. Uh, they've never heard of it. And I was talking about this, and Thelma Holt told me 
that when she brought up, now these are people from Stratford who have been to drama school. No, you work for Lambda. Don't, don't accuse me. No, I'm central. Oh, central. central. I mean, I beg your pardon. <laughs> Please. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm so sorry. Uh, unforgivable. Uh, but uh, she said, uh, I brought up uh, my company from Stratford to do the Jacobean plays at the newly named Gilgood Theatre, which used to be the Globe, of course, as you'll remember. And she was uh, distressed to find a group of her actors, of her company, uh, arguing amongst themselves or discussing amongst themselves who this John Gilgood might be, that, because there's a bust of Sir John in the foyer. They had no idea who he was. Why? Because he'd never done a television series. They didn't know who he was. And people of my generation, of course, had read about young Bettany. They'd run about Keane, McCready, Sarah Siddons, Kemble. I'd go to the library when I was 12, 13. I'd read about these people. So they, in a way, are the people that influenced me, although I never actually saw them. And in terms of the, the book on the table here, it's a very different, for those of you that have read his autobiography, which is sort of jam-packed with the sort of anecdotal, autobiographical, juicy stuff that we love. This is very clear of that. It's a, it's a very sort of cool in tone. And, and what was the intention behind that? Why did you decide to, in a sense, cleave that, that sort of really rich and uh, compelling aspect of your life? Why did you decide to sort of, in a sense, park that and, and, and tell a very straight story? Well, uh, I suppose two uh, reasons. One, an amusing reason, that's not quite serious. Um, I'd been paid by another publisher to uh, <laughs> write my autobiography, so I didn't want to repeat some of the things that I said <laughs> in that. Um, but I, I had, uh, over the years, uh, have had noticed and been impressed by people, intelligent, uh, regular theatre goers, uh, who would come, who I'd got to know socially in some way or other, and they'd come to see me in a play, and I'd invited them backstage. And they'd never been backstage. They'd never been into an actor's dressing room. Uh, and I thought, you know, there's an awful lot of things that people don't know about what goes on how, how, and how actors think of audiences, for example, and things like that. And so I've tried to um, do two things. One is for the general public to know what goes on in rehearsal rooms and what rehearsal rooms are like and what directors are like and the sort of life uh, an actor leads and the way an actor thinks, you know, his nerves and his feelings and, and, that, and that sort of thing. Um, and uh, it's generally so that there's a, a coming together of the two sides um, of the audience uh, and the actor. And, and, so, and also for the, the student actor to know um, what it's like to work in a sitcom, for example, which I've had some experience of, so I was able to tell them about that, and um, how to behave in the theatre to a certain extent. Mm. Uh, th those sort mm. of things, but told in a, in a delightfully amusing way. <laughs> <laughs> in, in within the uh, pages... Uh, there's also a, almost a, like a disclaimer. You, you say that you're not going to be one of those actors like on the actor's studio that, that talks about process, overly talks about process. But I do want to 
bring that into this uh, room, this studio, uh, this evening. In, in the preparation of a role, here we go, this is my nail-bite moment. I don't know how this man, how this creature is going to react to this. <laughs> but in, in the preparation of a role, are, are you sort of walking the streets thinking of the role as being very located in the theatre space, if, if it's a play, or are you imagining the world of that character? Are, are you preparing it for a theatre, for a space, for a rehearsal room, or are you imagining the sort of living being of that person? No, my mind doesn't work in that way whatsoever. Um, at all. Uh, I mentioned in the play that I don't know any actors, I've never befriended any actors, I've never heard any actors ever talking about acting. I read about them talking about acting and then they're called lovies and <laughs> lovey talk. So here's my lovey talk. Good, good. When I read a part, something happens. Something happens. And it, I absorb something. And from that absorption, my whatever it is that I have, I think it's called talent, <laughs> starts to move that around and make sense of it. And then I do what I do. Uh, I remember Tim Curry. Tim Curry, um, uh, I met him on a television uh, many years ago. He was playing a small part. Uh, mine wasn't much bigger. And um, he had nowhere to live. And uh, he was uh, in, in rehearse, just started to rehearse the Rocky Horror Show. And um, he, um, I said, well, come and live with, with my wife and I. You've got nowhere to live. So he did. He came and stayed with us. And, and you know, the Rocky Horror Show opened, and, and uh, Tim Curry, uh, excuse me, sorry, uh, it's the first time we've touched. <laughs> uh, He's such a liar, we've been touching all the... <laughs> and uh, Tim Curry uh, is, is terribly quiet and a very gentle person. Uh, never raises his voice or anything, he's lovely. And... Um, of course, you know, he's doing the Rocky Horror Show, which I've read about hundreds of times about it, but we went to see it. And so we went to see it. And suddenly, uh, on came Frankenperter. <laughs> and there was this man, bang, like that. And the hair went up like that. And afterwards, I had supper with Tim, and I said, how do you do that? And he said, I think before I go on stage every night, I stand in the wings. And just before I go on, I think of all the sacrifices my mum and dad made to put me through drama school. And then I hear my cue. Bang! I'm on! It was wonderful. Mm, mm, mm. Now, are your scripts... Are you a sort of pencil-in-hand sort of actor in a rehearsal? Are you scribbling things down? No, nothing. I never write in a... I never, ever, ever write a move down. I never write in my scripts at all. No. No. And so, so those directors that sort of put little postcards up on the walls and cut out Chekhov's birthplace, and you're not that sort of creature? No. No. Uh, no. 
No, I'm not, I don't I'm not saying I am either. No, I don't understand any of Blimey. that. I don't understand any of that. Um, I remember I did a, a, a play um, for a very well-known director, and uh, my agent said it was a, uh, a classical play. I w won't go into it now, but um, they s I wanted to play this part very much, and he said you won't you won't like this director. You, you won't get on with this director. I said, well, I want to play this part. Mm. So anyway, I put my name up, and they were pleased to have me play this role. But every day at rehearsal, an hour would be spent <laughs> uh, uh, pretending <laughs> everybody had to pretend they were the sun or the moon or the stars and wander around <laughs> doing all this. And I... I said to the director, I'm not going to do any of this. Uh, I'm going to either look at my script or, or read the Daily Telegraph or something. <laughs> and uh, the director said, that's fine. Mm. That's fine. Mm. So, uh, you know, it worked very well. Mm. Mm. <laughs> I got terribly good reviews. <laughs> <laughs> In working with uh, uh, international, uh, an international sort of portfolio of actors, yes. You know the sort of myths and rumours of the differences between the US actor and the British actor? Yes. Do you buy into those rumours or, or do you really see no difference in approach or method? Well, there's something I, that I do talk about in, in the book uh, which is more and more um, upsetting me. I don't know whether any of you noticed it. But the American actor uh, on stage too, because I've been over to New York and seen plays there, um, and on television as well, and in the films, they're trying so hard to be what they call real <laughs> or naturalistic. You can't, you can't understand a word. That's <laughs> what, 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 are they, what, did they, what did they say? And this is one of the reasons why I think these Danish programs are so successful. It's all printed out. You, <laughs> <laughs> you can understand what they're saying. It's, it's absolutely marvelous. I mean, I, I mentioned in the book, a friend of mine uh, did a scene with a a major star uh, in the front seat of, of, of a, a car uh, and um, he had the scene and he, he couldn't understand, he said, if I hadn't known the script, I wouldn't have understood a word uh, this actor said. Now, when I worked in film uh, and television film and things like that, the sound man um, would say, sorry, governor, couldn't understand it. He wouldn't say it in front of the actor but he would say it, and the director would go again, because people have got to understand what's being said. But some stars are so powerful now uh, that they control it, and other actors um, seem to follow this thing of you know, being so... And they don't understand that the only thing that matters is the words of the man who wrote the script. Actors are merely people who knock the nail in. They didn't make the hammer. They didn't create. They didn't create anything. Our job is to convey to you the feelings and intentions, intentions of the playwright, not for you to think how wonderful we are, I am, or anything. I think it's extraordinary, and it's it. it well, that's enough of that. <laughs> It's good to get it off your chest, though, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Can I ask, is, is there a sort of um, director lurking in this, in this understanding you have, this incredible understanding and experience you have of 
film and theatre. Is there a, actually a, quite an incredible director sitting here as well then? The way that you set it, the way that you describe it, it seems to me feels a bit directorish. <laughs> does it? Yeah, it does. Oh, well, my wife keeps telling me I should uh, have directed or direct and things, but uh, no, um, I love acting and I love actors and um, no, I haven't wanted to. You, ha you really haven't wanted to? No, no, I haven't wanted to direct, no. So when you're... Um, I have directed it. When you're not acting, mm. what is the art form that you run away to? You know, are you running away to massive art books on your coffee table or a particular composer that you're listening to on your headphones or are you, are you going to see the opera? Or the, what's, what's the other art form in you? Uh, one art form is trying to keep my body beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's failed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You haven't seen me stripped off, darling. <laughs> Uh, and the, uh, the other, no, trying to keep fit. An actor should always try and keep reasonably fit. fit. Yes. Olivier was the uh, great... Uh, yes, he yeah. was. Yeah. And the other thing is I love art. I love artists. I love art. I have a passion for it. Always have had. don't know why, but I do. I collect art and I go to exhibitions and, um, you know, these are cre really creative. Yeah. And would you people. use art then as a sort of lever into your actor's imagination or do they remain separate entities? Oh, completely separate. Right. I mean, as I say, you know, I yeah. pick up a script and I either respond to the part or yeah. I don't. Yeah. And uh, in such cases when you don't respond to the part but, you know, your name's on the contract, what do you do? Oh, well, I mean, if, if my name won't be on the contract if I've read it <laughs> and I haven't responded to it, I say I'm not going to do it. One of the first things I said to Peter Hall, I have to say, uh, I want, because, you know, it was very successful, this play, Separate Tables, and Peter indicated he wanted to work with me more. And I said, I'm, I'm afraid, I said, I only want to play parts, Peter, that scare the shit out of me. Yeah. And... After we'd done a few plays together, I said, now this is a terrible thing for me to say, but with, you know, this is the truth. Because uh, you've asked about Lear, and you've mentioned when in private conversation before we came on Malvolio. And I said to Peter, uh, I, I'd like to play Malvolio. And he said, no, you, you, you wouldn't. I said, why? He said, you told me you wanted to play parts that scared the mm. shit out of you. You'd find Malvolio too easy. Mm. So I've never played Malvolio. Mm. Is there a chance now? <laughs> <laughs> we could do it now, actually. <laughs> let's, let's just cancel the show. I don't think there's much more to say, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I really don't. But what there is to say is that uh, my name's Jeff Colvin. I'm head of acting at Central. This man is called Peter Bowles, and he's written a book called Behind the Curtain, and he's going to be signing it upstairs when we leave this space. Thank you very much, Peter Bowles. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you.